I'm Jasmine Moradi, and you're listening to the Queens of Tech podcast, a podcast series about workplace role models, where I get the opportunity to ask 60 plus questions to female influencers about their journey into STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. My vision with this podcast is to raise the workplace ecosystem for women in tech. My mission is to bridge the gap between schools and workplaces by highlighting female role models in STEM to encourage more young girls and women to unleash their full potential in these fields to reach top leadership roles. In this episode, I'm very excited to welcome my guest, tech queen Cindy Gallup, the sex tech entrepreneur, founder and CEO of Make Love Not Porn. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Jasmine. Great to be here. Thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm good. New York is surprisingly warm today, actually, for January. It's a lovely day. Glad to hear. Now, let us dive into your journey into STEM. Hope you're ready for the Queens of Tech 60 plus questions. Let's warm up with a few fun facts about you. How would you describe your personality in three hashtags? Very simple. Or other people. I don't believe in describing myself. I prefer to leave it to observers to decide. How would you describe your life in three sentences? I would say different and interesting every day. My life just gets better the older I get. What kind of music stimulates and motivates you the most? I have very eclectic tastes in music. And so it really depends on what mood I'm in. But my favorite band is The Magnetic Fields. What is your personal motto? I think I would have to say, don't give a damn what anybody else thinks. What is your favorite podcast? I don't have one. What is your favorite book? I love reading, and so it's impossible to narrow down to one favorite book. But I will say that the book I recommend everybody read is by my dear friend Thomas Hamoro Pramuzic, and it's called Why Do So Many Incompetent Men Become Leaders and How to Fix It? Mac or PC? PC. Say something interesting about you that most people don't know. I speed read. I was a voracious reader as a child and I taught myself to read incredibly fast. I can't explain how I do it, but it came in very useful at university and it's come in very useful ever since. What is your hidden talent? I'm not sure that my talents are hidden because I'm very open about them, but I think fundamentally my superpower is that I don't give a damn what anybody else thinks. You are an author, and if you were going to write a book about your life, what would the title be? Fuck that shit. Great start, Cindy. Now, let us dig deeper. Our childhood has an effect on our adulthood. Our early experiences shape our belief about ourselves, others, and the world. Now, I want to discover your childhood. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Brunei, in Borneo. What was your dream job as a child? Funnily enough, to work in advertising, which I subsequently did. What was your favorite subject in school? English literature. What was your least favorite subject? Maths. What is your earliest memory of technology and the arrival of the internet? That would be when I was working in advertising in London back in the late 80s, early 90s. And the arrival of computers generally, and especially in the business world of email. Which were the first three technology gadgets you owned? A mobile phone. I have to tell you that back in the day, that was those brick-like computer, obviously, and probably technology-wise, a digital watch. Who was your female role model growing up and why? 
Absolutely my mother, who is a fantastic businesswoman, always worked. My mother, by the way, is Chinese, and it's a tragedy that she was born into a generation where all the sons got to go to university and the daughters went to teach a training college. Because had my mother gone to university, she would have been a global tycoon, but she's always been my role model. How do you think where you grew up, the school you went to, and the generation you come from influence your education and career choice? We're all the product of our background, but honestly don't know, and I don't really care because I'm with my sunglasses case, which has a slogan on it that says, don't look back, you're not going that way. Lovely. Now, I'm going to read two quotes. First one, how does the universe expect me to choose a career path at 16? I can't even choose what I want for dinner. Second, Abraham Lincoln said, I quote, the best way to predict your future is to create it. So Cindy, I want to know the choices behind your career path. Where and what did you study at university? I studied English literature at Somerville College, Jotlet. Who and what influenced you to get into your chosen field? Honestly, everything in my life and career has happened by accident. And I am where I am today by complete and total accident. You worked in advertising, as you told me. So what professional roles have you had before that led you to start your own? I came up through the ranks in advertising and was an agency CEO and then a chairman for many years. So those were the roles that I occupied in advertising. What does Make Love Not Porn do? Make Love Not Porn is pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference. It came out of my direct personal experience dating younger men and realizing that when we don't talk openly and honestly about sex, porn becomes sex education by default in not a good way. And so today, Make Love Not Porn is the world's first and only user-generated, 100% human-curated social sex video sharing platform. The way to think about us is, if porn is the Hollywood blockbuster movie, Make Love Not Porn is the badly needed documentary. We are a unique window onto the funny, messy, loving, wonderful, comical, awkward ways we all have sex in the real world. We are socializing sex, making it easier for everyone to talk about, to promote consent, communication, good sexual values, and good sexual behavior. And so we are literally sex education through real world demonstration. I absolutely love it. What is your title and what is your main responsibilities? I'm the founder and CEO of Make Love Not Porn. And honestly, what that means very simply is that for the past 13 years, I've had to parallel path two things. Work to build Make Love Not Porn and work to change the business and cultural context around it. Because when you have a truly world-changing startup, you have to change the world to fit it, not the other way around. And I can tell you as a SecTech founder that I and my tiny team fight an enormous battle every single day to even keep this business alive, let alone grow it. At the end of the day, I concur with what Fred Wilson of Union Square Ventures said many years ago in a blog post about what the role of a founder and CEO is. Three things. A, to set the vision for the company. That's what I've done for 13 years. B, to hire the very best talent in the marketplace to make that vision real. I have a phenomenal team, tiny though they are. And C, to make sure there's always money in the bank. And I have to tell you that, again, with a sex tech platform, one that most investors shy away from. The third is especially difficult, but so far, so good. What does a typical workday look like for you? There is no such thing as a typical workday. I love the quote, choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. So Cindy, what do you love about your role? 
I completely disagree with that quote because I'm a big fan of my friend Nafi Molina Nino's quote in her book Leap Frog, which is a manual for female entrepreneurs based on interviews and advice from a whole range of female founders, one of whom is me, I was interviewed for the book as well. But Nafi says in her book Leap Frog, forget passion, find things you want to punch. And I'm a great believer when you find something that you can solve because the issue makes you really angry. That is what motivates you more than anything else. Oh my God, so true. Never put it like that. That's why I'm doing this podcast and the whole mission. What is the best experience you've had in your role so far? Any examples? Honestly, I think the best thing about running Make Love Not Porn at the moment is the fact that every single day, our community writes to us and tells us how we've changed their lives. Because as a unique venture, we have an absolutely unique capability. Make Love Not Porn has the power to change people's sexual attitudes and behavior for the better in a way that nothing else can. What I found especially interesting is I decide Make Love Not Porn to be fully diverse and inclusive, and it is. Our members, our Make Love Not Porn stars, which is what we call our contributors, are male, female, trans, non-binary, LGBTQ. We celebrate the full glorious spectrum of human sexuality. But what I love is that we've seen in all the time we've been operating that we are especially a revelation to men. Probably more men write appreciative video emails and leave comments on the videos than anybody else because we are something utterly unique that men will find nowhere else on the internet, which is a safe space where men can be and watch other men being open, emotional, and vulnerable around sex. You wouldn't believe the number of men who write to us and say, I just watched my first video make up not porn and afterwards I cried. I've been saying for years, I wish society understood the opposite of what it thinks is true. Women enjoy sex just as much as men, and men are just as romantic as women. Yet neither gender is allowed to openly celebrate either fact we'd all be a whole lot better off. And what is the biggest challenge you've encountered so far and how did you tackle it? The biggest challenge that I've encountered with Make Love Not Porn is that every piece of business infrastructure any other tech startup takes for granted. We can't because the small print always says no adult content. And this is especially problematic in the financial and fintech space. Because our biggest operational day-to-day challenge is payment processing. PayPal won't work with adult content. Stripe can't. Maintenance credit card processors won't. We have to work with adult-friendly payment processors who, because anybody adult has nowhere else to go, charge extortionate rates. I pay out 12% of our revenue every month in payment processing fees. That's a massive business growth inhibitor. This is the challenge that I've been working for 13 years to overcome. As I said earlier, I believe in changing the world to fit my startup, not the other way around. I believe in achieving the impossible. And so 13 years ago, when I was first coming up against this barrier, Somebody said to me, Cindy, to do what you want to do, you don't have to start your own bank. And I was so angry, I went, I'm going to start my own bank. So I had conversations with banking attorneys. That was what I discovered 13 years ago. It's impossible to start your own bank. But the wonderful thing is that time is a very interesting business dynamic in a way that not enough people realize. The sheer passage of time changes things, regardless of what you may be doing with your business. Time passing changes mindsets industry trends, marketplace dynamics. And so I am currently working to raise a round of serious funding to make love not porn. And I'm talking to investors who say, Cindy, why don't you buy a bank? Why don't you buy a bank to process your own payments and everybody else in sex tech? 
because there is huge opportunity in sex tech infrastructure. And I'm talking to investors who want to fund me to buy a bank. So I am optimistic that at some point I will have solved this challenge. What do you wish everybody understood about your role? That I have started a business that is designed to help drive the next trillion dollar category. Because, oh my God, the money there is to be made. But the money to be made in two areas, the second one of which right now nobody even thinks about because nobody even thinks it's possible. So the first area is, oh my God, the money to be made out of sex. We all have it. We'll enjoy it. And especially right now with the economic downturn, it's recession-proof and the market never, ever goes away. But the second area is, oh my God, the money to be made out of socially acceptable sex. So when you do what I am doing with Make Love Not Porn, socialize sex, normalize it, bring it out into the sunlight, take the shame, embarrassment and guilt out of it, you then normalize people feeling really okay about publicly buying your goods, products and services, then publicly doing what they already do with everything else. Reviewing, recommending, sharing, advocating, and publicly badging themselves as brand ambassadors. That's the trillion dollar financial future I'm going after with Make Love Not For. What is the one common myth about your profession or field that you want to disapprove? Honestly, there are so many ludicrous things that people think and say about sex because I'm operating in the single area of universal human experience we're almost fucked up about. But honestly, it's the idea that everybody automatically disapproves because that's so not true. Sex is the one area where fear of what other people will think operates more than any other. And so everybody is saying and reacting and operating around sex the way they think other people want to see them act and operate. And I want to go just drop the pretext universally instantly because I can tell you that in 13 years of working on Make Love Not Porn, we have been universally positively received in every single country all around the world. And our only barriers are the financial and business ones that I'm in the process of breaking down completely. What do you love about working in the tech industry? I am one of a huge number of us who are not white men who are redesigning the future of the internet through the female and diverse clip. Oprah Winfrey said, I quote, Think like a queen. A queen is not afraid to fail. Failure is another stepping stone to greatness. Cindy, what have by far been your biggest achievement in your career? Honestly, the fact that as I talk to you 13 years later, Make Love Not Porn is still here. In a world where the tech and business and financial industries have been trying to shut us down every single day, my biggest achievement is that Make Love Not Porn is still here. What's the biggest factor that has helped you become successful? Any success habits? The thing that most motivates me, that has kept me going through all of this, is the dynamic that I characterize as I'm going to fucking show you. You tell me it can't be done, I'm going to fucking show you. You put an obstacle path, I'm going to fucking show you. I have to take all of that daily demoralization, depression, and I have to channel it into motivation and inspiration to keep me going. How do you measure your own performance at work? The fact that my business is still here when I face so many more obstacles than your average tech startup. What is your biggest failure in your career and what did you learn from it? I've been failing for 13 years to change the financial and fintech world to accept my business. As I say, I've been failing for 13 years because I'm now very close to succeed. And so you just have to keep on failing until the day you succeed.
What is inspiring and motivating you the most in your role and career right now? Exactly what I said. I'm going to fucking show you. Let us now jump into the influence of mentorship and role models and sponsors. Role models can consciously or subconsciously be a powerful force in our lives. In addition, mentors can guide us through our career journey and open up the world of possibilities. Sponsors match emerging talent with leaders and inferior employees who can help us move ahead in our career. Cindy, do you have a mentor today? I violently object to the term mentor. I want women to strike the word mentor from their vocabulary completely, and I want them to replace it with the word champion. The word mentor, inherently, within the sound of it, touchy-feely, chat-chat, shoulders to cry on. Women don't need mentors, we need champions. We need what men get all the time, which is somebody willing to go out on a limb for us. A champion is somebody who, behind closed boardroom doors, lands their fists on the table and says, we can only fund one more startup with funding James, not John's. Champions make shit happen for us. And so I encourage every woman, fuck mentors, find champions. Who is then the female champion you look up to in your film? I was very lucky coming up through the rank in the advertising industry, and I was lucky for two reasons. The first is that I was never sexually harassed in a way that ended my career. And by the way, I was absolutely sexually harassed, but not in a way that resulted in retaliation, managed me out of the company, out of the industry. And I say that because many women were, and many women are in tech today. Women are sexually harassed in a way that ends their careers. Secondly, I was lucky because, coming up to the ranks of advertising, I can count on the fingers of one hand how many female bosses I had. Two, I worked for men in every advertising agency I worked in, but I was lucky enough to work for men who saw my potential before I did, who wanted me to succeed, who gave me opportunities and absolutely championed me for success. And again, I say I was very lucky because very few women have that experience. And that is the issue with the tech industry today. The appalling sexism, misogyny, racism, homophobia, ableism and ageism that is systemic and endemic in tech means that women are prevented from taking up the leadership role they so deserve. I know so many women whose careers were deliberately sabotaged by white men in tech because they felt threatened. What I would say is I look up to every woman who has made it in tech, who has built a unicorn, sold a company, but there need to be many more of us because women in tech do not have enough role models who in turn can champion them and very importantly fund them because that's the huge problem with the lack of female representation Not enough women getting funded. And as we all know, only 2% of all venture capital last year went to female-founded ventures. 98% went to predominantly white male-founded ventures. When that happens, women don't build successful companies. Women don't exit successful companies. Women don't then have the wealth they can use to fund other women. There is a closed loop of white guys funding other white guys who go on to fund other white guys in the value environment. And we have to break that loop in order to get the trickle-down in effect with the wealth for real working for women. And as you said, history shows that it has been more common for men having champions, role models and sponsors in business than women. So Cindy, how important do you think is to have a sponsor, role model and a champion during one's career? 
I think it's enormously important to have a champion. I don't like the term sponsor either. It's too passive. Champion is active and proactive. It's incredibly important to find the people who will champion you. I want to give our audience a piece of advice based on my rather unique situation, but I think the principle applies. I want to recommend to women that they do what I currently do to find investors for Make Love Not Porn. Because I have a very particular investor finding strategy. Given that my challenge is, I know that my investors are out there. There are a ton of them. And by the way, there are a ton of them in every single country in the world. They are impossible to find by the usual means because they all have one thing in common. Your willingness to fund me, love not porn, is entirely a function of your personal sexual journey. It is a function of your personal lens on sex and sexuality been shaped by your own experience and I have no way to research and target for that. Not least because sex is the one area where you cannot tell from the outside what anybody thinks on the inside. The people who look like they would totally get it don't. The people who look like complete proofs do. And so my strategy has been, I put what I'm doing out there all the time. I promote to make love not porn across all my social channels. I do every media interview I'm asked to. I go on every single podcast because I have to make synaptic connections happen that will attract those investors to me. Now, this is a very long, slow, painful and highly inefficient process. But the good news is that every soften it works. And the even better news is in the past year, it's been working more and more. I am frankly gobsmacked at how effective LinkedIn is at bringing me incoming investor interest out of the blue. Investors write to me on LinkedIn and go, I see you raising funding. I'd like to talk. I saw you post about Make Love Not Porn. I'm intrigued. Tell me more. And so what I recommend to women looking for champions is adopt the same strategy. Put what you're doing out there. Talk about your philosophy of why you built your business. You know, what you're doing. Because you will attract the champions, the like-minded people, your tribe to you. Let's move on to leadership. Shirley Sandra, CEO of Facebook, said, I quote, leadership is about making others as a result of your presence and making sure that the impact lasts in your absence. Cindy, what does leadership mean to you? Leadership means one very simple thing to me. Leadership is all about putting your people ahead of yourself. What do you consider a good versus a bad leader? A bad leader is somebody who does not put their people ahead of themselves. Who is your favorite female tech leader and why? There are so many to be frank. Sheryl Sandberg is not one of them, by the way. I have been very public for many years that I completely disagree with Sheryl Sandberg. Sheryl wants us to lean in within the existing system. I want us to redesign the system. And obviously, many more things have come to light in more recent years about how Sheryl Sandberg has been operating at Facebook, and I'm appalled and disgusted, quite frankly. But there are so many brilliant women just leading in tech. I will highlight just a couple. So my very dear friend Susan Danziger is an amazing tech entrepreneur and investor and she is amazing because she is all about funding women and diverse founders and female founded and diverse founded funds. She puts her money where her mouth is. She has angel invested in over a hundred female founded tech startups. She is an LP in a huge number of female and diverse founded funds. She regularly holds events that are about bringing together female founders and investors and making shit happen for them all around the world. She has German roots. So she also has a home in Berlin. She does a lot of work on the Berlin tech scene for female founders. So she's amazing. She's a fantastic role model. Then the incredible Tracy Chow of Block Party, Trickatora is her handle on Twitter. She is a phenomenal 
female female founder in tech because she has pushed through so much sexism and racism as well, being an Asian founder, to build a brilliant venture, Block Party, through the female lens that basically enables you to mass block harassment and abuse on social media. So I just think she's a fantastic role model for everybody. And honestly, there are many women who are just doing brilliant things in the face of very difficult circumstances. How would you describe yourself as a leader? I go back to my three little words, ask other people. I believe in having my employees and the people I lead decide that, not me. And as a leader, what values are most important to you? Put your people ahead of yourself. What leadership lessons have you learned that has formed you into the leader you are today? I'm a big fan of radical simplicity. I like to keep things very simple. What I've been saying to people for years is there is a formula for business success. You can apply it and you'll be successful, guaranteed. It's very simple. It goes like this. If you seek out and hire and retain the very best talent in the marketplace, if you then give that talent a very compelling and inspirational vision of what you want them to do for you and the business, if you then stand right back and enable and empower that talent to achieve those business goals in any way that they see fit using their own individual skills and talent, if at the same time you make that talent aware of how enormously you appreciate them, not just financially in compensation terms, but verbally, vocally, every single day. And if you enable that talent to share in the profit they help create, be successful. It's that simple and virtually nobody does it because what this formula requires is a high trust working environment. And pretty much every working environment is low trust. And that's because the entire concept of the corporate hierarchical structure is predicated on the idea that the person at the top does not trust the people just below them, who in turn do not trust people just below them, and it's one big cascade of low trust all the way to the bottom like a champagne fountain. The single most important requirement for a successful work environment is trust for a successful business culture. And so as a leader, I believe in building trust and in creating a workplace environment and a business culture built on trust. And the wonderful thing about my tiny team at Make Love Not Poor, and I have exactly four employees, is that I know that I might get run over by a bus tomorrow and they could absolutely carry on running the business without me. What are your three strengths and three weaknesses? Again, ask other people. I don't believe in defining those things myself. I'd rather be judged by the people I lead and work with. Let us now jump into our hottest topic in business today, workplace culture, unblocking the power of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Cindy, what does diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging mean to you personally? It's very simple. The solution is not to bring diversity and inclusion in. The solution is to kick the sexist, the misogynist, the racist, the homophobes, the ableist, and the ageist out. What do you consider being three to five signs of good company culture if you were to join a company? I would just say if I felt I belong there. As a woman, what has been the most significant barrier in your career and how have you overcome these challenges? I'm frequently asked about my career in advertising. Cindy, what sexism did you encounter coming up the ranks of advertising? And my response is always, a fish doth not know what water is. There was sexism all around me, but I did not realise because that was the norm. And so, honestly, those barriers were not visible to me at the time. And answer would simply be the same barriers every woman encounters. I was just, as I've already said, extraordinarily lucky. I was not sexually harassed the way that ended my career, and I worked for men who wanted me to succeed. Why do you think it's important for more women to join the tech, tech industry, especially as leaders? 
The single biggest issue that is preventing women getting into leadership in tech is sexual harassment. End sexual harassment. Because sexual harassment is the single biggest business issue facing the tech industry today. Because sexual harassment manages out of the industry the female leaders who would make gender equality, diversity, inclusion happen. End sexual harassment and you have a completely different tech industry. Do you and how do you speak with your female and male colleagues about diversity, equity, inclusion challenges, especially salary gaps and promotions? I'm in a bit of a different situation to people in a larger corporate environment. First of all, my team is utterly diverse and inclusive, as is our platform and our community. It's a fundamental part of who we are. Secondly, I ensure as a leader equity in in terms of salary. I don't need to speak about that because I ensure that and my team knows I ensure that. There are many public and internal discussions about the barriers women face from reaching high position in the tech industry as we spoke. How do you feel has affected is affecting you and what is your advice on how to best unblock these roadblocks? But not affecting me because I've carved my own path and my advice is to end sexual harassment. As the tech industry finds it hard to especially retain women, what is then your best advice or strategy for how companies can work to build a stronger corporate culture that engages gender diversity and equity? It's very simple, end sexual harassment. And what I said earlier, don't talk about engaging diversity inclusion. Chick the misogynists, the racists and the sexists out. Then what would you say are the few challenges of doing this in our workplace today? Kicking it out. There aren't any. As we know, egregious behavior in the tech industry sees no consequences. So it's very simple. Start bringing real-world consequences for sexism, for racism, for sexual harassment, for ableism, for ageism, for homophobia. Just bring consequences that should be happening for all of that behavior. Why and how do you think companies would benefit from having a workplace gender diversity equity, especially better gender representation at sea level and board level? Very simply because they'd make far more of an absolute goddamn fucking shit ton of money. How do you think the tech industry has changed regarding this subject since you joined? It hasn't. Looking back on your career, what one thing would you have changed in your working environment to break the bias? Honestly, I've been fortunate enough. First of all, as I said, I didn't notice the sex around me because that was what the environment I was in, like in fish and water. And secondly, I've been working for myself for a long time now. So that's a different path. Honestly, I basically exhort everybody who is not a white man to start their own industry. And what I mean by that is start your own business, but I deliberately articulate it like that because when you start your own business, you can design that business to work exactly the way you want it to. You can hire exactly who you want to. You can design around the work-life balance is the work-life balance you want. And when you do that, you are starting the industry we all want to live and work in. And looking forward, Cindy, what will you do as a leader to improve the bias for the next generation of women in tech? I've been role modeling how we change all this for decades. That's what I have been doing and I will continue to do that. Let us move on to another hot topic in business today, which is workplace balance and mental health. Cindy, you have without a doubt a busy lifestyle. How do you take care of yourself to maintain a good mental health? I've been asked for many years in interviews, what do you think are the most important qualities an entrepreneur should have? And my answer has always been the same. Persistent, resilient, and the ability to manage your own mind. I've gone from very good at managing my own mind in the extremely stressful environment of a sex tech startup. Have you experienced burnout? Not that I would die, but as such, no. What is your advice on how companies can create a more mentally healthy workplace in a new now? 
Honestly, it's very simple. Do everything that we've just talked about. When you are in a working environment that has designed itself around a healthy culture, around the right work-life balance, the way you feel welcomed and appreciated and a sense of belonging, then that is the way that you benefit mental health. What motivates you every day to get out of bed? I'm going to fucking show you. Now, let us wrap up with a few words of wisdom and a piece of advice for our listeners. Cindy, what is the best piece of advice that you've been given? I think my single most important piece of advice is get more sleep. And then what is the worst advice you've ever been given and how did you tackle that? The worst advice I've ever been given was by a venture capitalist who went, no, Cindy, your problem is you're thinking too big. You need to think really small. Fuck that shit. Is there something you wish you would have known or a skill you wish you had when starting out in the tech industry? No, I don't think so. I think it's very important to have your own vision and carve your own path. I know there isn't anything that I wish I'd known in advance. I think you have to experience it for yourself. Learn your own lesson and, yeah, say, find your own path. If you had the ability to go back in time when you were just at the beginning of your career, what advice would you give to your younger self? I regret nothing about my career, but the one thing that I'd say to my youngest self is start working for yourself a damn sight sooner. Working for yourself is the only way to be. And the only thing I wish is that I began working for myself sooner. What advice would you give to young girls and women who want and trying to break into STEM fields today, especially wanting to become the next generation leaders? Don't put up with any shit. Sexual harassment, report that immediately. Do not let men create an environment that makes you feel you are not welcome last but not least what is next for you and make love not porn what are your career aspirations i'm working to raise a round of 20 million dollars to scale make love not porn to be effectively facebook of social sex globally because our mission ultimately is to end rape culture we have 10 years of proof of concept I've kept Make Love Not Porn operational for the past 10 years on just $3 million of funding. And we help end rape culture by doing something incredibly simple that never left nobody else anywhere on the internet is doing. We help end rape culture by showing you how wonderful, great, consensual, communicative sex is in the real world. Our social sex videos role model, good sexual values and good sexual behavior. And here's the important part. We made all of that aspirational versus what in porn and popular culture. And so my vision is to raise $20 million to end rape culture globally with Make Love Not Porn. Thank you, Cindy, so much for being a guest on the Queens of Tech podcast. Sharing your journey will, without a doubt, inspire change and reshape company culture for the next generation of women in tech. It's been a pleasure, Jasmine. Thank you for listening. If you have worked in the tech industry a minimum three years and would like to share your journey, please nominate yourself or somebody you know to i at jasminemoradi.com. For more podcast episodes and to learn more about the Queens of Tech initiative and to support us, visit Queens of